Welcome to Cannabis Health Radio, a podcast where we share stories from people around the world who are using cannabis as medicine. The information is meant to raise awareness about the health benefits of cannabis, which should not be taken as medical advice. Now, here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. There's a rare form of soft tissue cancer called rhabdomyosarcoma. It can spread from where it started to other areas of the body, including lungs, lymph nodes, and bones. Our guests today from California are Angela Smith and her son, Chico Ryder. Chico was diagnosed with rhabdomyosarcoma when he was 10 years old, and that was 10 years ago. Angela, we interviewed you six years ago, and I want to ask you, how difficult has this journey been for you as a mother, knowing that your son was just 10 years old when he had cancer? Well, there's nothing really to compare in terms of the horror that you go through as a parent. I mean, it's it's just beyond your wildest nightmare, really, when you're faced with the prospect of losing your child, you know, but obviously we're one of the lucky ones. It's beyond horrific to go through something like that. It really is, yeah. Chico, I want to ask you, you were a little young the last time we interviewed your mother. Now you're, I think you're 20 years old, correct? Uh, I just turned 21 in January. Uh, Oh, you're 21 now? Yeah. Now, does it ever enter your mind that you had cancer in your youth, but only if some people like Corey and I ask you questions about it? Well, this is kind of part of my everyday life because because of cannabis, I've now found a passion in my life, and I kind of I kind of live my life through that experience, and I learn from that experience, and I try and make the most of that experience every day. My I go to college to study cannabis now. My I, my my whole life is cannabis education research and advocation. So I would say, yeah, I do think about it, but it doesn't negatively affect me at all. I'd say I use it positively. Yeah, good for you. It's very much the same as uh, as the interview we did a few weeks ago with a young fellow who uh, is on the same path as you are, educating people about cannabis. I want to ask you, Angela, and uh, I know we did this six years ago, but exactly what is rhabdomyosarcoma? It's a nasty monster of a, of a cancer that usually strikes in children, but can strike in, in younger adults as well. Um, it's a nasty, aggressive, under-researched soft tissue cancer that, that basically is a, a sarcoma that grows in the muscle tissue. So in Chico's case, it was it was behind his ear and in the back. We first saw it in the back of his throat, and then it came out like there was a lump in his neck. So there was something growing in the muscle tissue between the back of the throat and under his ear, and it grows very very rapidly. I would say it probably doubled in size over the course of three weeks or something, um, and it was also wrapped around his carotid artery, so it affected his heart rate. But it can it can present anywhere in the body. People have it in their hands, in their ankles, in their thighs. I've heard lots of different locations for it. But, yeah, it mainly affects uh, children, and there are two subtypes. There's, there's uh, 
there's embryonal and uh, one that begins with an A that I can't remember. So there are two subtypes of well, there are more than two subtypes of it, but but largely two subtypes of it. And the survival rate is not good. I remember being told when they did a biopsy on the tumour and they knew it was cancer, but they didn't know what kind of cancer it was. We'd started off this journey being terrified that he had lymphoma. I remember asking the surgeon, I said, what are we hoping for with this? And she said, oh, we're hoping that it'll be, it'll be lymphoma because that will be the easiest one to treat. Mm. And so I ended up hoping that he had lymphoma. And then, of course, it came back and it wasn't. It was something far more aggressive than that. But, yeah, it's a, I think it's something like 300 cases a year in the U.S. So because there aren't many cases, not many resources are, are dedicated to researching it. Uh, and I think when, when we were given the protocol, they said, oh, yeah, this hasn't changed since the 70s. And I was like, this hasn't changed since the 70s. That's 50 years, you know, the same treatment protocol. So, yeah, it's one of those cancers that it's a horrible, a horrible, scary diagnosis for anybody. What are the what are some of the treatments? Chico was given three different chemos. Um, it's called VAC, which stands for vincristine dactinomycin. Oh, I've, tr- I've kind of obliterated these these names from my memory. And what was the other one? Uh, cyclophosphamide, I think it's called. So it was three different chemos for a period of nine months. One he had every week and the other two he had every three weeks. Um, and he also had 28 radiation sessions. Uh, it was inoperable because it was wrapped around his carotid artery. So they couldn't operate on it. So it was a horrible, nasty, punishing treatment regimen. And Within, well, he wasn't eating at all. He dropped a third of his body weight really quickly, was in a wheelchair, lost all this, the usual cancer stuff. And he was just slowly wasting away, in my opinion. It, it was four months in, and, and it was, I felt like, yeah, the, the, the treatment was working to kill the cancer cells. The, the, tu- the tumor shrunk very quickly, but I also felt it was killing him, you know. So that's why I was like, we can't just sit back and let this unfold as it looks like it's unfolding. So that's why we turn to natural natural medicine, in, in particular cannabis. And I honestly, honestly, to this day, believe it saved his life. You know, he's he had a very, a very aggressive cancer. This is one of the one of the most aggressive. I'd put it up there in the top five. It's it's a horrible cancer, and uh, for him to be sitting in front of me right now. It's just amazing to look at him and how healthy he looks from that little boy when we were first speaking to you. When you started incorporating cannabis into the picture, what was that like and what were the changes that you perhaps saw? First of all, it made him really happy, I think, because he he thought it was really cool as an 11-year-old that he was able to have cannabis. (laughs) His big brother, Jacob, was a cannabis smoker. So I think it kind of like it helped him to sort of bond with him a little bit just on a personal level. But I think from from the first few days, just overall his mood improved. And then I think within about, I can't remember exactly, something like a week to 10 days, suddenly from not having eaten anything for months and having to be fed it through his IV, he suddenly said, oh, I'm hungry. I want to eat something. We were like, yes, he's hungry. It was like the first... To the first time he'd been hungry in months and months. Would well, you remember that? Mm. And we celebrated profusely. So yeah, it just it immediately brightened him, and and kind of also I suppose as well, it gave us all hope that 
there was something else that was being put into the picture that gave us hope, more hope than we had. We always had hope that he would be good, but it just gave us it gave us renewed vigour to kind of carry on and we had faith in it. I think Chico, particularly, you had faith in it. So I remember sitting in his hospital bed with him watching Run From The Cure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it just gave, it gave us hope. But, but physiologically, obviously, it had a, a huge effect on him and, and got him eating again. Wow, and that, that's huge. Yeah. Which, you know, if you don't eat, you die. It's as simple as that. And he was he was fed through an IV and then he, then he ended up with a stomach tube. And we used to be able to give him the oil down the stomach tube as well because he had terrible mouth sores and and the radiation in his throat was unable to swallow anyway but yeah it just it just improved his overall quality of life tremendously so you were giving him how much oil a day well a lot (laughs) we were giving (laughs) far more than i think is recommended these days the peak of it i think it was about two grams a day a gram a day of high cbd oil and a gram a day of high thc um, so I think it was, oh, I can't remember the dope. And we were doing it as a, a two to one ratio of TH, two to one THC to CBD. And we were dosing separately because we were told that uh, the CBD and THC fight for the same receptors. So yeah. whether that's still advised or not, but we, we were told to do that. CBD block THC from targeting the CB1 receptor and push it to CB2. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, a lot of people now take a mix, don't they? A lot of people take it pre-mixed, and that worries me because I don't know whether you know, that goes against what we were told. But this is 10 years ago, so. 10 years ago, and yeah, coming out the other side now, people are much more aware of not not to be mixing those two. Mind oh. you, that, that said, these one-to-one ratios work really well with any of these inflammatory-type uh, conditions or, uh, you know, MS, fibro, all of those sort of things respond very well to the one-to-one, but in a cancer diagnosis, I would never suggest doing that, you know, certainly do the part. So you were doing, ingesting all of the oil, Chico, or was any of it done by a suppository? I can't see that being the case when you were that age, you probably weren't really going all about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it was, it was all oil, but then I would also, uh, I had a volcano vaporizer, so Okay. I needed that. I would also have that too. We snuck it into the hospital yeah. room and hid it in the bathroom under some towels. <laughs> and uh, we had to we had to take loads of lavender oil and, and put it all over the hospital room to cover up the smell. <laughs> Most of the nurses knew and turned a blind eye. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Chico, when you were given the oil and you felt hungry again, did you have this sense within you that this is going to work? This is going to make me better? I think I did, yeah. Because, I mean, I I definitely, if I wasn't actively thinking it, I'm sure subconsciously I was because I definitely immediately felt a difference. I felt somewhat normal for the first time in like a month or two. Um, yeah, a couple months then. Yeah. Um, cause like, like my mom said, I, I hadn't had any sort of appetite. I hadn't wanted to eat. I didn't want to get out of bed. I didn't even like open my presents on Christmas. Cause I, I just, I couldn't be bothered. I didn't really, I just, I didn't feel good. And then finally, 
I, I was able to sit up in bed and like watch TV. I, I wasn't even mm. well enough to do that. And it, it just gave me the ability to just do simple things again. So I think that definitely gave me some kind of hope or just something to, to have. Yeah, it strikes me from what you said is that you were living under this dark cloud and all of a sudden it started to open up and the light came in and you realized that maybe this is going to work for me. Maybe I am going to get better. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, I remember one day my my mom was describing it to someone and I overheard her say like the first night he took the oil, it was like he came back to life after being a zombie for months. And like, oh. you would think the cliche is you you take a bunch of THC and you act like a zombie. But for me, the complete opposite happened. I, I was able to be normal. Brought you back to life. Yeah, exactly. That that Like you said, that dark cloud was now lifted. Now, do you do a maintenance dose every day, Chico? Yeah. And I, I make the oil myself. So we, uh, we don't test it. So it's not completely accurate dosing. I don't know exactly how much THC there is, but, uh, I do take that maintenance dose every day of THC. I, every other day I switch THC, uh, and then CBD. THC one day and then, uh, a CBD the next day. So I, I alternate, yeah, yeah. Okay. How much how much oil are you taking a day, Chico? I usually just put uh like a couple rice grain sizes on like a cracker. I used to, to be honest, it used to be a lot more precise. Mm-hmm. But over the years, just from making it myself and like doing it you over. It's kind of, like I know how much to put on there and I know like what it should look like. So I don't know the exact number off my head, the exact milligrams, but it's nowhere near two grams like it used to be. <laughs> Chica, what would you like to see happen with all this education that you're getting on cannabis? What would be the ultimate outcome for you? Like moving down the road here, what do you see yourself doing? Um, well, I'm, I'm currently going to college in Colorado and Colorado State University Pueblo has a, uh, a cannabis biology and chemistry major. And I'm in the last year of that right now. And they have a lot of research happening there, which I'm involved in. And after, after I get my, that degree, um, there's only two other colleges right now that have any kind of cannabis related like bachelor's or master's degree. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of colleges that are studying cannabis and doing like different research projects. I know like UCLA and UC Davis here in like LA have a, like a cannabis research program. So I know after after I graduate, I definitely want to try to get in to some kind of research program with some college here in LA or California and just begin the the mass amount of research that needs to be done. I just think the main thing 
is research and then eventually like medical trials on humans. I think that's obviously the most important thing to be done. But also just proper education as well to like the public because a lot of people still have no idea about yeah. Um, I yeah, but basically I, I really hope to to get in on some of the research that's currently happening because I'm I'm really interested in in doing that. I feel like I may be looking at the new up and coming Bob Melamede, Dr. Melamede here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. We're gonna need somebody to fill his shoes. So <laughs> that's really awesome. Are you with Dr. Melamede? Did you ever meet him? Bob Melamede? Well, I'm not sure I ever met him, but I, I am familiar with, with his work. I have I have heard of, about his work and what he's done. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he used to teach at the University of Colorado. He used to teach in the cannabis uh, uh, oh. program there back in the day. So I think you might be the new Dr. Melamede coming up here. <laughs> Angela, let me ask you a question. When was Chico given the all clear? Well, on his final scan, which was 10 years ago, last October, November time, it was like, right, yeah, the cancer's gone. And so he's officially, in, they actually did say he's in remission, which I thought was very soon to say that. And then he, he had to have scans every three months for several years, and then it went to every six months, and now it's every year. And he last had a scan last October. So he's 10 and a bit years out. Yeah. Do you have a scanxiety, Chico, yeah. <laughs> when, when it comes up to that, that time? I can understand uh, why people have that. Um, I wouldn't say it's as bad as my mom. I feel like she's worse than me. It's more, to be honest, it's more just an inconvenience. I just, it's, not, it's not nice having the money in the MRI tube for like almost an hour. Yeah. And have all that done, and it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily scare me because I mean, I I I know I'm still taking the oil and I'm I'm doing everything I can. So I'm always hopeful. Do you know what, Chico? As a parent, your mother will always be worried about you. <laughs> And uh, even when you're an old man and uh, she's an old woman, she'll still be worried about you because uh, you always worry about your children, no matter how old they are. Right, Angela? Very true. Very true. Yes. Yeah. Angela, what's been the most difficult process for you in all this? Uh, Well, I think it just turns your life upside down. and I think you get, to, as a parent, you get a form of PTSD. So it's hard to bounce back, really. And it just makes you really angry because I, I just see the flaws in, in conventional medicine and conventional treatment. And it's, it's like your life will never be the same again because you can't just go back to how you were before because you've got this knowledge now. And, I mean, Corey, I mean, was no more than anybody else about this. But it's like... You, you just can't live an ordinary life because you, you've got this information and it's it's being very suppressed. I know it's nowhere near as bad as it was. And so it's kind of like it makes you talk about it, do so. I get emails from people. I get several every week from people desperate for help. And I'm no expert. 
Um, and it frustrates me that I still ha- I'm still not able to give very precise instructions and advice to people. Like, where do you go uh, right now in California if someone wants to go and buy oil? You can't go to a dispensary and buy concentrate. Like, why not? It's ridiculous that it's still so difficult to get. But even worse, where we're from in England, it's still horrendously illegal. And so you have parents of kids who are terminally ill who were trying to get cannabis and they risk going to jail for 14 years. It's absolutely insane. So one of the hardest things is actually understanding how this this situation can be so horribly messed up in the world. Why are the cancer research societies not pouring money into research into cannabis? It's just so much evidence there. Why is it not being integrated into Western medicine treatment? There's evidence that it potentiates the effects of chemo. So I'm not saying to everybody, don't do chemo, but, what, but why, why is that not being taken seriously? The Chico's oncologist was very initially very sceptical about him taking cannabis, but we never lied. We didn't hide. We hid the, vol- the volcano in the hospital room, but we didn't hide that he was being given oil. And he, we had lots of rolled eyes from him. He was a nice guy. He was very, he, he was very uh, benevolent, really great doctor, but very, very sceptical about cannabis. And he ended up being on the scientific advisory board of the company that supplied Chico's oil because he was so impressed with what was going on. Wow. But I just think why it's been 10 years now and I don't really see very much has changed on a practical level. It's still difficult to access. It's still, dosing instructions are still kind of, you know, it's all very kind of wishy-washy and, and difficult. And uh, however many people you ask, you get different different information, different advice. And I just feel, I'm frustrated that it's been 10 years, but still, I don't feel like it's really progressed mm-hmm. anywhere near as much as I would like it to have done. I thought that 10 years ago, we were leading a revolution that, in 10 years' time, things would be so much easier for parents of kids and it, that were in my shoes. But I don't really feel like that's the case. Yeah, awareness has spread, more people are doing it, but I still don't think it's anywhere near as, as easy as it should be. You know, Corrie should not be inundated with people. Like, it, it's, it's people like Corrie who dedicate their lives to this. And she shouldn't have to. It should all be set up at this point. There should be infrastructure in place. It should be available. It should be adopted into the mainstream. And it's just very frustrating for me that it isn't. And I feel guilty if I do anything else in my life. You know, I have to make a living, so I do other work. And I feel guilty that I'm not 100% on this all the time. You know, so I'm grateful that you've given us the opportunity to speak now. Oh, no, we're more than happy to do it. The reason Corey and I do this is because we both believe that education is the key to people understanding cannabis and uh, hearing people's stories about how cannabis helped save them and improve their lives is uh, one of the things we do. We don't interview people who are presidents of uh, cannabis companies or have or want to sell cannabis. We feel that the strongest impact that we have as a podcast is hearing stories like Chico's and others who have used cannabis along sometimes with conventional treatment to help them. And they are alive today because of it. If they didn't have cannabis, they wouldn't be alive today. I mean, you are episode 381. And Corey, I would say there's about... uh, 
you said this about an 80, 85% success rate using cannabis. Mm-hmm. 80, I'd say 80. Yeah. 80. Yeah. That's a pretty darn good track record. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's an excellent track record. I was going to say, and I feel like the ones that don't make it, maybe they're not given the right dosing instructions. Maybe they weren't able to access it properly. Maybe the doctors, like a girl that Chico was close to, passed away because she couldn't have it in the hospital because the doctors said, no, you can't. It's Maybe there are other circumstances that have led to them not succeeding with cannabis. And then people think, oh, it didn't work for her. But it, it's not that cannabis didn't work. It's that we as a society haven't got the the education in place yet. We don't know because the research hasn't been done. I think if we figure it out, then I think the success rate will be a lot higher. Uh, about six or seven years ago, we interviewed this woman in Ontario, an elderly woman who had brain, lung, cancer was spread throughout her body. She got on cannabis and uh, her life completely changed. But then her family was opposed to cannabis and they encouraged her to get off and uh, she died. And yeah, so it, they radiated her. They radiated her and she died. Something yeah. happened with radiation or something. But anyway, yeah, we had cleared her. It essentially cleared her. And yeah. then the family talked her into radiation and yeah. that killed her. There are a couple of people in England that I know, we helped them to get oil in the UK and they managed to get oil in the UK, but they were too scared to take it, and they died. And it's like, because that because they didn't want to break the law in the UK, and they died. And that, to me, I, I can't fathom how, how, how that happens. Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Chico, see what you're getting yourself into? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's. Uh, I think uh, the road you're taking is the right one for you, and it's the road you should take. And, oh, Chico, have you ever gotten your mum high? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I, unfortunately, I'm, I'm, I'm so envious of people who enjoy cannabis. It makes me a bit paranoid. I, I, I've not found the right strain. I, I need somebody's advice on this, but every fifty percent of the time when I try it, it makes me anxious. And and yeah. avoid sativas. Avoid sativas and take citicoline. Twenty okay. minutes to half an hour before. So take citicoline. Okay. Okay, and avoid sativas. So I yeah, I'm the. I used to be the queen of paranoia on pot. Oh, really? Citicoline. So there's hope for me. Oh, heck yeah. Like really bad, like really unpleasant. So like it's kind of a cannabis advocate that doesn't really smoke cannabis because I I, I just haven't worked for me so far. But I'm willing to give it another go because the times that it doesn't make me anxious, I really enjoy it. Uh, And I'm sure... Right. Okay. I'll, I'll try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can have a lot of fun. Yeah. There you go, Chico. You get, get your mom high and you can laugh at her. <laughs> <laughs> it was great to talk to you guys again after uh, six years. And uh, Chico, it's wonderful that you're all clear and you're on a new path and uh, cannabis is helping you. And I wish you all the best in the future. Thanks very much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. 
Thanks for having yeah. me. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Forgot, I forgot to mention that he's he's actually in the middle of writing a book as well about his experience. Yeah. So um Are you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping to finish that pretty soon here. Um and then as well, uh I'm gonna hopefully be starting up a, a website pretty soon to uh to help people not only access like a, a safe source of oil, but also other kind of supplements to to help different kinds of cancers. Because not only did I take cannabis, but my mom got me a, a big blend of like all different types of supplements that that also really help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember one chemo gave me a bunch of mouth sores, and uh, one supplement called uh l-glutamine completely made them go away so i was able to drink water again uh i, I couldn't even have that before so wow. uh, i know there are a lot of things other than cannabis that are really helpful so mm-hmm. i want to have Absolutely. people to have access to that and knowledge about those as well that sounds amazing chico it really does. Keep us posted. Yes, keep us posted. And thanks for doing this, guys. Sorry, you froze then. We, we missed that. Oh, uh, it sounds great. And we just want to thank you for doing this. We appreciate it. Yeah, thank you again for having us. Yeah, for sure. Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, writing a review, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already. And we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. It helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. 
Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.